When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Alex Crook, European football expert Kev Hatchard and the former Chelsea West Ham and Charlton left-back Scott Minto. Today's top stories, leaders Arsenal face a major test as they head to the south coast to take on the soaring Seagulls. Will Haaland pile more pressure on Lampard and Rodgers returns to Anfield looking to derail Liverpool's top four charge. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Yes, the feast of festive football across the TalkSport network continues to come thick and fast and who better to preview all the upcoming action than our very own Kevin Hatchard and the former FA Cup winning fullback Scott Minto. A very good afternoon, guys. How was your break, Alex? Good? You didn't get much of a break, did you? <laughs> I was going to say, what break would that have been? <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? It's great, isn't it? We've had so much football, so many games. Scott and I were at Stamford Bridge in midweek. To see quite an impressive first half performance from Chelsea. I think still a work in progress on what we saw in the second half. But it does feel like the big teams are starting to come to the fore. And this this race for the top four, Scott, is, is really bubbling along nicely. Yeah, first things first, uh, Cricky, as ever, post-Christmas, I'm wearing my Christmas present uh, top. So um, I just thought I'd do that, doff my cap to the family. But no, you're right. And, and to be fair, well done to you. What was it from Qatar to Cardiff um, at one point? <laughs> you know, but, but back to Stamford Bridge. And yeah, there was a lot of pressure on Graham Potter and Chelsea um, that game. And, and I thought the first half, they were superb. And you're right. The big boys, it's almost like they've never been away. And that will be the focus of the podcast today as we look for the race for Champions League football. We'll be touching uh, on all 10 upcoming matches, but let's start with an absolute cracker on Saturday. This guy is a monster. Oh, it's been given away chiefly by Cooper. Grealish now has cleaned through. Haaland is square of him and Haaland taps in. And Erling Haaland returns to Allen Road and leads with a goal. He plays all the games for the next decade at City. Like, he breaks every single record wow. in football. He's six foot five. He looks about seven foot five. But now he's in, on a different uh, in, on a different planet. He is a phenomenon. This guy is just, he's a freak of nature. Haaland is the best goal scorer on the planet. Manchester City against Everton is a three o'clock kickoff. Manchester City imperious again as they dismantled Leeds in midweek. Erling Haaland, who was picked up uh, like he never went away. Two more goals for him. City actually recorded an expected goal figure of 4.2 at Ellen Road. That's the highest of any side in the Premier League this season. Uh, Kev, it's the question that nobody has been able to find an answer for. How do Everton possibly stop Erling Haaland? 
Well, you can't really. Uh, I mean, he looks sharp. I know Pep Guardiola's talked about him missing chances that he'd normally put away. But the thing about him is that he picks up so many good positions and he can hurt you in so many different ways. If you have transitions against him, then he, he can use his pace and his strength. But if you try and defend in a low block, then he's so, so clever with his movement in the box. Brilliant finisher. He's improved in the air. Always wants to get better. And around him, he's got incredible talent. I mean, I know Jack Grealish missed a couple of sitters at Ellen Road, but he laid a goal on a plate for him. And I thought Grealish showed his creative side, even though he's not scoring goals at the moment. And Haaland, it's no surprise to me how well he's done. I think maybe he's got a few more goals at this stage than I thought he would. But anybody who'd watched him for a, for a long period of time, either at Salzburg or Dortmund, knew this was coming, really, especially with the quality around him. It's interesting that Kev mentioned uh, Jack Grealish there, Scott, because there have been rumours over the last 48 hours that maybe uh, Manchester City could look to cash in on their investment. I mean, nobody's going to pay £100 million. I just don't see that deal happening, particularly in January. Do you think he gets unfair stick? Because there were still people after the Leeds game saying Jack Grealish just doesn't look like a Manchester City player. I, I, I thought it was unfair post-match uh, in that game because I thought, yes, he did miss a couple of chances, but the second half, again, what you want from your top players and what you know that Erling Haaland has, he's almost like the Tiger Woods where even if he does make a mistake, even if he does miss a sitter, you know he's put that to the back of the mind by the time he's gone to the next one. And I was pleased with Jack in, in the way that he seemed to do that in the second half. Look, the bigger picture is, I never really thought he was a City player in the first place, to be honest with you. I didn't think he was a, a Pep Guardiola one, two touch player. You know, he's someone you build a team around and he wants to be dribbling from back to front almost. And, and he it's, it's all about him. However, I thought it was unfair what was said afterwards in terms of even just passing to Haaland. Yes, OK, Haaland might not have passed himself. Alan Shearer might not have passed himself. But 10 times out of 10, he knows if he passes, there's going to be a goal. Eight times out of 10, if you go one and one, it may be a goal. But still, it's not a good an opportunity. So I thought he just worked really hard. I thought it was just the performance that Pep would have wanted. Yes, of course, you wanted to see him get on the score sheet more. But yeah, I, I thought he was my man of the match more so than Haaland or anyone else. Kev, let's touch on on Everton in a pretty perilous position down at the bottom of the table. Big injury concerns heading into this game as well. Uh, Frank Lampard, is he running out of lives? I just don't think he's good enough to be a Premier League manager. Is that harsh? I think the evidence certainly is against him. And I think what concerns me is that he doesn't seem to be able to get a solid defensive structure. You look at Chelsea, they had problems defensively. Uh, you look at Everton, you look at the goal that they conceded against Wolves to lose that game at Goodison. It's a simple transition and they're massively outnumbered. Now, some of that is on the players, of course, but is he putting behaviours and structures in that would stop that kind of goal happening. So the results are not good. And ultimately, if this doesn't work out for him, where's his next move? Because his reputation is not going up and up and up in the way that I think some thought it would. So the next few games are very important for him. Yeah, it was real schoolboy defending the goal they conceded against Wolves uh, as well. Scott, I can see you waiting to jump in and, and defend a, a Chelsea legend. Go on, tell us why Frank Lampard is the right man. It's not the first time, Cricket, and it won't be the last that I'll be saying you're a harsh man. Because I, I, I do think if you look at what he's done so far, in one year at, at Derby, he got the 90 minutes from the Premier League. 
The first year at Chelsea, he had a transfer ban and he's not just his best player, but the Premier League's best player was sold as well and yet finished fourth. Okay, the, the second season, he will still argue if it had been given to the end of it, you judge him on the end of that season. But no one can necessarily argue with the, the job that Tuchel did when he first came in. So, okay there. But still, I, I think he did a decent job at Chelsea. He has got not just one hand tied behind his back, but two at Everton. We know how much money's been spent. We know the managers that have come in, very good managers with a lot of pedigree and still not been able to turn things around. He's, and with, again, with the greatest of respect, he's, 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 um, he's buying in the, the, the sort of basement bargain type stuff. You know, Neil Mulpai, who couldn't get in the Brighton side. He, he's your striker. Richarlison's been sold. Where's the money being reinvested? He's had to be clever at the back. It looked like, you know, with Tarkovsky and Cody, they started off very well. Been shipping a few goals just before the World Cup. But I still, I think that's a decent back four. This is something that is going to be taking absolutely years to turn Everton around. And Everton cannot just keep on jumping from manager to manager to manager. Now, if Frank looks like he doesn't know what he's doing, I'd say fair enough. But from the outside looking in, I'm not on the inside. I would say it's a very, very tough uh, job for any manager to come in there. And he needs to be given time uh, and money. But I don't think he will be given that. Uh, Everton, one of a number of clubs in the Premier League. Premier League looking at the Coventry striker Victor Jokeres we'll probably touch on that uh, when we talk transfers later in the podcast that game uh, between Manchester City and the Toffees live on TalkSport 3 o'clock on Saturday the other team from Merseyside they're live on TalkSport on Friday night Alexander-Arnold puts it back in Robertson across to Salah! And Mo Salah scores for Liverpool! The first two, three are maybe too far away. I don't know. If they win all the games, we have no chance. And we have to do our part. That means winning football games and we will see how close we can get. On to Barnes, who's encouraged to shoot. Right-footed, he does it to the far corner with a brilliant curling effort! We want to uh, press, be aggressive, counter-pressing. All those aspects of the game of what we've seen. Liverpool against Leicester. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, Liverpool seem to be building up a bit of momentum uh, finally after a pretty sluggish start to the season. Kev Mo Salah uh, back amongst the goals straight after the restart. Are you more confident now that, that Liverpool will finish in the top four? Yeah, I, I am. I, I think there are still defensive problems. I think we saw that early on against Aston Villa. But I think what we did see was how devastating they are going forward. And if you look at the the kind of underlying numbers, the data, they'll tell you that even in Liverpool's slump, in terms of creating chances, racking up XG, all that stuff, they've been right up there with the best teams in the league all the way through that. The big issue was a lack of intensity in midfield and some defensive errors. And Liverpool have always taken a chance defensively. Uh, I thought Darwin Nunez, even though it's very fashionable to have a go at him at the moment, I think he's sensational. Uh, I think there's, there's incredible potential there. I know he's missed a lot of chances, but he proved in Benf- uh, Benfica he can score goals. We know that. But it's a, a new league that he's adjusting to. And, and I just think that given time, he's going to prove to be a sensational signing for them. Salah, as you mentioned, looks really, really sharp. He's, of course, had this mid-season break, as Haaland has had. So I think that's going to be beneficial for him in the long run. But Trent Alexander-Arnold, some of those passes were outrageous. That outside of the boot pass to find Andy Robertson for the build-up to the first goal, that is world-class. That's as good as it gets. So, yeah, I think Liverpool are looking strong. 
As well as being uh, Frank Lampard's chief cheerleader, Scott is a fully signed up member of the Darwin Nunez fan club as well. Uh, there was an interesting Twitter spat actually. It involved Andy Cole because there was a journalist up in the Northwest who uh, compared Nunez to Andy Cole and that then Hoddle quote famously about how many chances Andy Cole needed to score a goal. Andy Cole hit back on social media, pointed out what he'd won, pointed out his goal stats. In terms of Nunez, uh, he's only converted, he's got 25% of the chances that have come his way so far, but you were nodding in agreement with Kev Hatchard. You don't think he's a donkey. No, I can't even believe you put that word in there. First of all, I played with Coley in the under-21s. What a player. What a player. And what a finisher. And what a career he had. Um, I definitely don't think he's a donkey. And, and I'm totally with Kev. I think if you, and if you think about um, potential, again, is the word. And I know that a lot of money's been spent. But again, you know, we live in a world where everyone's judged on the here and now. Look at what this guy is doing to the defences. Speak to the guys who were playing against him. They'll be saying, I'm telling you, I do not want to be playing against him week in, week out. And to think about the 25% is only going to get better. This guy could be almost as scary as, as Erling Haaland himself. You know, and actually, I think he does more in the game as well. I, I think Haaland's probably just told, just stay up there, we'll create the chances for you. But Darwin Nunez has much more to his game where he drifts out to the left, he's able to come and help defensively if need be, but he can also bully two defenders and get in behind with his pace. Listen, Crookie, this guy's only going to get better and you know, Liverpool fans will enjoy that very much indeed. Well, if you are looking to end a goal drought, then Leicester probably the ideal opponents, particularly at home. Uh, Kin and Dewsbury Hall described their performance against Newcastle as spineless. I spoke to Danny Ward, the goalkeeper for Talk Sport, and he said there were some home truths. Uh, after that game, I think Brendan Rodgers cancelled a day off. But where do we see Leicester at this moment in time? Because they aren't that many points clear uh, of the relegation places. This is a team who've been flirting with the top four in the last couple of seasons. I think there's a regression to the mean crookie, to be honest, because I think what we're seeing is just how far above their actual level they've been performing for the last couple of seasons under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I know people looked at it and said, oh, well, in back-to-back seasons, he missed out on the Champions League. They shouldn't have been anywhere near that conversation. It's absurd that they even were. So, look, I, I think there has been a lack of confidence. I think defensively we talked about defensive structures earlier on I think it's not quite there I think you look at how easy it is to score goals against them I think that's a concern I think bringing in Valt Fast the, the Belgian defenders a step in the right direction because he is a, a pure defender so I think that will help going forwards but they are what they are. I, I think the fact they won the FA Cup, you know, it's ridiculous, really. And I think there are, you look at that squad, it's a mid-table squad. And Brenda Rogers, I think, has done a sensational job. But now where do you go? So I think just stabilise, stay in the division and you build from there because I think that they've been setting unrealistic expectations for a while now. They're going to be without James Madison for a while, Scott. He's uh, still struggling with injury. Do you think he will still be a Leicester player come the end of January? We know that Newcastle have been admirers in the recent past. And if he does stay this window, is it inevitable that they'll have to cash in in the summer, Leicester? He's out of contract, isn't he, in the summer? Um, And if that's the case, then he's got to make a big decision. The club's got to make a big decision now whether they want money for him. He's not going to be there next season, whatever. So if I'm right that he is out of contract and I'm not going to get anything for him, I, I think they will be safe. I don't see them as a, a, having any problems. I think if you look at the game 
Um, specifically, you can't give away a sloppy goal after three minutes. You can't be 2-0 down against anyone, let alone a Newcastle side that seemed to have picked up where they left off after seven minutes. You know, you're just not coming back from that. Madison is the main issue. He's their best player. What do you do with him? How do you decide? That, are we going to try and get up the tables as much as possible and keep him? Or do we sell him in January? If the right bid comes in quickly, listen, Leicester, I don't think are necessarily sellers in terms of they'll just take anything. They'll drive a hard bargain. But I can see him going if Newcastle are desperate enough. And look where they are in the table now. Not just going for top four. If this goes on with these type of games, then you have to start talking about them in terms of the title race. I'm not yet, but they are on, let's just say they're two years ahead of schedule right now. Well, if Newcastle are two years ahead of schedule, how far ahead of schedule are Arsenal? They go to Brighton. It's a Saturday tea time kickoff on New Year's Eve. Arsenal looking to make it five successive Premier League wins in a row. I thought they were really impressive uh, with the character they showed uh, without Gabriel Jesus to come from behind um, and beat West Ham by three goals to one. It's amazing, isn't it, Kev, that Arsenal are the top of the table. They've got a nice buffer uh, over the defending champions, yet Manchester City are still odds-on favourites. When are we going to start taking Arsenal seriously in terms of this title race? Well, I think we do take them seriously uh, and I think they showed real character. You mentioned it, character, against West Ham and they absolutely did. And I think the most impressive thing was that Eddie Nketiah, considering he's got quite a load to bear now with Gabriel Jesus out, scored a brilliant goal and actually looked really, uh, really lively part of that attack because Saka was excellent. I I think they've, they've certainly surprised me with their consistency. I thought they might fall away earlier than they have still a long way to go in the season. It's, it's a curious season because we've still got such a long way to go. I know we judge everything a lot of the time by Christmas as a marker, but obviously that's, that's slightly out of whack because of the world cup. So, there's still a long way to go, but they're playing lovely football. They don't look as fragile as they did. That's the key for me. I think last season I always felt they were going to falter a bit because of that fragility, and you've seen it time and time again. Something has definitely shifted, and I think something has shifted in the fan base as well. I think the fans believe. I think the Emirates is a much harder place to go now. You look at the results they've had there, especially against kind of non-elite opposition, but they're starting to get those big wins too. Talk Sport is the place to be for the return of the Premier League. Buermo's in swing, flicked on by Norgard, it's 2-0! Ivan Tony again, who else? It comes to Hoiberg! And Tottenham have equalised! Antonio Conte's team never know they are beaten! Wolverhampton Wanderers have won it! Ryan A. Nori has turned it in! It's a real smash and grab job here at Goodison Park! Whipped in by Trippett to the far post. Jolinton! 3 0. Newcastle are completely on top here. Mitrovic makes it three on 80 minutes with a little glancing header. And Solly March has made it Southampton 0. Brighton 3 in stupendous fashion. Mujetic with the shot, deflected it in. The substitute makes an impact, and Liverpool surely have won the points now. Towards Werdegaard, into Nketiah, great turn! Oh, what a finish! Eddie Nketiah stepping onto the mark for Arsenal! And Arsenal are showing their championship credentials. And a brilliant finish by Marcus Rashford! Mason Mount from the edge of the box! Fizzes one, into the bottom left-hand corner! It's poked back to Haaland, and Haaland gets his second! And Manchester City's third. So many games. 
It's brilliant, isn't it? Don't you just love it? Wolves against Manchester United is a 12.30 kickoff. Uh, Julen Lopetegui marked his Premier League debut with a 95th minute victory against Everton on Boxing Day. I think Lopetegui is a problem for those teams down at the bottom of the table. You look at his European experience and Kev can fill us in on that. You look at the fact that Wolves, I think, have promised to back him heavily in this January window. We've already seen Matthias Cunha uh, arrive on loan uh, with the option of a massive deal at the end of the season. I think the teams down there should be worried about Wolves, Kev. Do you agree? Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think the quality's there. I think you look at that win at Everton. I think about the first goal they scored, Joao Moutinho with that pass. Like the weight of it was absolutely perfect. Pudence with the finish. The fact they scored two goals in one game, that'll be very jarring, I imagine, for Wolves fans because they, they haven't been used to seeing that very often uh, for quite some time. So I think the quality's there. Cunha I find really interesting. I think he's a good fit for what Lopetegui wants from a centre-forward. He wants a mobile centre-forward that can move wide and, and bring others into play. And that's exactly what Cunha is. He's never been a 15-20 a goal-a-season man. He's not that type of player, but he does make things happen. He's energetic with and without the ball. He's skillful in tight spaces. And this has got to work for him, really, because it didn't work for him at Leipzig. It didn't work for him at Atletico, but there's definitely potential there if Lopetegui can get the best out of him. What we know about Lopetegui is he can organise a defence. He did that very well with Sevilla. The only reason it fell apart with Sevilla was because he lost all of his best players. Kunde moved on. Diego Carlos moved on to Villa. So you lose your two best centre-backs. You're going to struggle, aren't you? So I think he is, you know, I talked about Van Gaal being the star of the show for the Netherlands across the the World Cup. I feel like that for Wolves now. They've got a genuine elite coach who I think can drag them out of trouble and keep them safe. Makes it a tricky game, Scott, for Manchester United. I was really impressed with United against an abject Forest side um, in midweek, particularly when you look at the fact Luke Shaw had to play as a left-sided centre-back. Casemiro uh, making our own Graham Sunez look very foolish uh, with every world-class performance that he produces. Marcus Rashford is probably playing as well as he ever has done. Now, I know there's a lot of unhappiness amongst the Manchester United fan base that they've missed out on Cody Gakpo. doesn't look like they're going to strengthen too much in January all the time the club is up for sale. But Eric Ten Hag is doing a terrific job, isn't he? He's doing a fantastic job. When you think It's almost like the Titanic that he's turning around. You know, he's had to deal with the Ronaldo issue. I think there was you could nitpick the odd thing there, but generally speaking, I think he, he handled it very well. Um, I think everyone's just happy he's gone now. You know, the circus is gone and now they can concentrate on football. And Marcus Rashford, we spoke about this last week, you know, he's back. And isn't that great for United and England as well? You know, the, the question mark still is, do they go out and get a centre forward? Not easy to do. You know, Anthony Martial, when he's fit, looks like he can do a job, but when's he fit? Um, and he's not necessarily an out-on-out centre forward, which again, even there is not necessarily a problem, but... I still feel that United, like many, like Arsenal, like Chelsea, need that kind of focal point up front. And if they get that, then United are very dangerous. But yeah, this makes it a really interesting game with Wolves nicking it at Goodison Park, uh, playing, you know, Lopetegui a bit more time now with with the players and have a lot more confidence. I still feel United will win this one because I think they're on a roll at the moment, but it will be a tough one. 
They've been offered uh, Jao Felix along with several clubs in the Premier League. Kev, I think Agent Mendes is working overtime to try and get him a move. Uh, the loan fee, I'm told, is around about £8 million. That might be too rich for the Glazers all the time that they're still looking for new owners. But is he the type of player that would fit into the way that Ten Hag wants to do things? Is he the missing piece in the jigsaw for United? He's an incredibly intelligent player. I think, you know, Ten Hag's all about movement. That's what he wants. He's players, he needs those players to make those intelligent moves to open up space. Joao Felix, I think, is not a classic centre-forward, but I think he's brilliant. I I think, you know, if it's eight million you'd snap that up in a heartbeat. It'd, it'd be crazy to not do it because what you've had is a guy who came to Atletico Madrid for massive money, was not a fit for what Diego Simeone wants. And he's become frustrated with Simeone. Simeone's become frustrated with him. And sadly, that's not worked out. That doesn't mean he's not an incredibly talented player. We saw glimpses of that at the World Cup. I think technically he's outstanding. I think there's a real fire there. I think people look at him and think you could knock him over really easily. There's not much there. He's a bit willowy. There's hunger there and there's fire there. He, he, I remember watching him in the youth league when he was playing for Benfica. And you know those players who just have a presence and they stand out? He was one of those straight away. I, I think he, whoever gets him, he's getting a massive bonus, I have to say. Yeah, Arsenal, Chelsea and Aston Villa, uh, the other clubs, uh, as I understand it, who have held talks uh, with Jao Felix as advisors. Be interesting to see if Harry Maguire starts for United, having been given extra time to recover from illness. As I say, Luke Shaw uh, playing as a makeshift centre-back against Forrest. Uh, didn't do too badly in that position, but you would imagine that maybe Ten Hag will want more of a specialist player for the trip to Molyneux. Uh, Tottenham against Aston Villa is uh, a two o'clock kickoff on New Year's Day. We'll keep you updated on that during the Sunday session. Uh, Tottenham unable to get their season back off to a winning start. They were held to a 2-2 draw at Brentford. Once again, uh, they had to come from behind. A lot of people, Scott, are tipping Tottenham as being the side to miss out on the top four this season. Where do you put them in that particular race? Well, I was asked at the the very start of the World Cup, how do you see the top four? And and I said, look, I still fancy City. I think Arsenal would be second. I put Spurs third and I was um umming and ahhing between United and Liverpool and I went for Liverpool fourth. But I tell you what, again, Newcastle are very much like Arsenal. You know, they're just not going away. And I love what Eddie Howe's doing. Really interesting because although he's quite, he's got an exciting team on the pitch, he's very pragmatic normally in the press conferences. And the fact he didn't dampen down the Newcastle fans, you know, hopes and ambitions. I, I think it's great. They're on a roll and they're just really enjoying themselves. So in turn, that, that then brings everyone down a place, doesn't it? I, I still don't know whether Newcastle will finish in the top four. We'll have to wait and see. But in terms of Spurs, they've got Liverpool, United and also Chelsea chasing them. They cannot afford to be keep on doing this, what they do in first half of games or, or go one or even two nil down. Now, I was at the at the game for Talk Sport uh, at Brentford. Brentford were hanging on in there for the last 15 minutes. And actually, out of the two teams, despite being 2 nil up, Brentford would be happier with the point. But Spurs cannot afford to be keep on doing that. As we said, Brighton away is not an easy game. Brentford away is not an easy game. But you need to be winning those games if you get into the top four. So, very much so, Crookie. You know, look, I, I, I don't know. My earliest answer is I don't know. I want to see to the end of January, then I can judge top and bottom. Spurs, 
at the moment, they should be very worried about if they are going to finish in the top four. How much is the Antonio Conte contract situation affecting Spurs, do you think, Kev? Because he was asked about it again after the game against Brentford, non-committal. And there's always been a, a suspicion that if he isn't backed in January, then he may start making those noises that he wants to leave again. Maurizio Pochettino is hovering in the background, waiting for a return to the Premier League. Is that uncertainty affecting performances? Is that why they keep starting games so badly? No, I don't think so. I think when you have Conte you always know that tension's going to be there because that's how he rolls. He wants everybody to be on their toes all the time. So whether it's about his future, whether it's about him demanding more money for transfers, he's constantly pushing people at all levels of the club. So, I mean, it may unsettle a few players here and there to think, is the manager going to be there? But that's just part of football. So I, I don't think it's going to be a new thing that suddenly it was all it was all serene before and suddenly it's all very tense. That's just the way he rolls and how it's been all the way through. I, I think what's interesting about him is he looks at it all the way through the season and he plots it as if to say, in that final stretch, in the last 10 minute, ten games or so, are we going to be fit enough? Are we going to have enough energy in the tank to go on a run, maybe win eight, 8 out of 10, and as the other teams falter, we move past them? That's what he was able to do last season. I think that's what he's trying to do again in terms of conserving energy and what have you. The problem they've got is that I've been in a couple of Spurs games and they what they want to do tactically is they want to bring you onto them and hit the space behind. And that's where Son comes alive. That's where Kulusevski comes alive. The problem with that in the Premier League is that if you let teams get comfortable and if, if you let teams have a good start, they can hurt you. And suddenly you're 1-0 down, you're 2-0 down, you're having to come back. So his tactical approach at the moment is putting them in jeopardy and he's got to find a way of having them be more proactive early on in games. Uh, Unai Emery, Scott, was frustrated uh, with the manner and the uh, final scoreline of that defeat against Liverpool. Do you think Aston Villa under Emery had the tools to, to hurt Tottenham? Yes, I do. Yeah, I like him as a manager. I think he's proven himself um, on the international stage or, or, you know, in in other countries. I think he's really well organised. You know, Kev will know the amount of video analysis of the, the, the players have been like thinking they're going back to school. Um, but they're, they're still getting used to what he wants to do. But I think they're already a much better side. And actually against Liverpool, yes, they, they lost, but they created a lot of chances. And they, and they should have scored a lot more. And that's something that Liverpool need to worry about defensively. But Aston Villa will take a lot of positives from so absolutely uh, you know we all wanted Steven Gerrard to work with him being English it hasn't it's brought in Emery who I think has got a point to prove to the Premier League as well and to certain parts of the media who have thought treated him pretty badly um, watch out for him and watch out for Villa I can see them being top half coming end of the season Wow. First bold prediction uh, of the podcast there from Scott Minto. Emmy Martinez uh, should be back for Villa. I'm sure he'll just quietly uh, take his place between the posts. He's not one who likes to court too much attention. Uh, you'd imagine Ugo Lloris will be starting for Spurs as well. Fraser Forster didn't cover himself in glory uh, in that game against Brentford. Uh, that game gets underway at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, two o'clock on New Year's Day. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey. Hit by Erdegaard and in! And Arsenal two up! And Martin Erdegaard has scored again! We've really been consistent, uh, not only in result, but I think in performances as well. Five points clear! at the top of the Premier League. This is one of the best Arsenal sides I've seen for a very, very long time. There is one team had been better than us. This is the reality. The reality, Arsenal had been better than us. And Brentford may just have stolen all three points at the Etihad Stadium. That is spectacular from a player in scintillating form for Newcastle United. Miguel Almiron. Newcastle consolidates their top four spot by putting four past Aston Villa. Rodrigo Bentancourt wins it, baby, for Tottenham Hotspur. Something for Nathan Jones to work with, and for Liverpool, back-to-back wins, having beaten Spurs. No Premier League team is in worse form than Wolves. Much-needed three points for Steve Cooper's men. Forrest are off the bottom of the Premier League. And that's what makes it so entertaining, so gripping, such drama. And that's why we love it. Uh, the other Premier League game on New Year's Day comes from the City ground. Nottingham Forest against Chelsea. 4.30 kick-off. We'll have updates uh, in the boot room. Uh, Darren Ambrose and Adebayo Akinfen were back reunited by myself, Alex Crook. Uh, Forest well beaten against Manchester United. I'm just not seeing any signs of progress, Kev, from Steve Cooper's side. And you look at the outlay, you look at the 23 new signings, the owner looking distinctly unimpressed in the posh seats at Old Trafford. I think they're doomed, Forrest. Well, it just hasn't worked. Um, They've brought in some quality. I looked at the players they signed. I thought, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, some of the guys they brought in. But you bring in that volume of players and it's going to be extremely difficult. Uh, And I think we've seen that. I think it was encouraging in a way that they stuck with Steve Cooper, but that you know, do they need a fresh impulse? The time to do it was in before the World Cup break, wasn't it really? Get time to work with those players, try and develop a system that's going to work. So I think it's been really, really tough for them. 
Um, and they've had some injuries as well. I mean, when they brought in Moussini Akate, he got injured almost straight away. I think he could have been a building block that could have given them uh, a bit of structure as well. So, yeah, they've got a lot to do. They're not cut adrift. I think they've got the quality, but he's got to settle on whatever his best 11 is and try and build from there because at the moment, everything seems in flux and those structures you need, both in attack and defence, they're just not there. Uh, we've mentioned it already, Scott. You and I were at Stamford Bridge on Tuesday. Chelsea uh, really winning the game in the first uh, 20 minutes. Uh, Mason Mount and Kai Havertz with the goals to see off uh, Bournemouth, who were pretty passive for the opening 45 minutes, improved in the second half. Uh, big blow for Chelsea. Reese James hobbling off literally seconds after on air. We were praising how well he'd done on his comeback. Four weeks seems to be the diagnosis, which maybe is better news uh, than we feared. Havertz telling me after the game that James was devastated in the dressing room. But it's another significant blow, not just for, for Reese James, but for Chelsea as well. No, it is. I mean, the, the one sort of silver lining is I'll take four weeks, Crookie, right now. I, I thought it'd be longer than that. You know, the way that he went down, the way everyone was talking afterwards. So hopefully it is only four weeks. And again, we've we talked about Rich James, haven't we? Listen, fullback or wingback or whatever is, is not an easy position to dominate games. And yet he somehow finds a way to do that. He's Chelsea's best player. Chelsea, we're down the right-hand side, him and Raheem Sterling, we were talking about Jordan Zamora, bless him. You know, he's still probably having nightmares about that first half, isn't he? And it wasn't his fault. It, Reese James just gives you a little bit of everything. And I think it's not just a big blow to him. This is a big blow to Chelsea because I'm not saying it's just a coincidence. And, and obviously they, they stepped it off. You could see him was game management in the second half. But nowhere near did it look as potent with Reese James off the pitch as when he was on it, even at the start of that second half. So that's a massive blow. But I do think this is a perfect game for Chelsea, just like... Um, it was with Bournemouth as well. The pressure was starting to build. Certain parts of the media, not mentioning you, Crookie, at all. I know you wouldn't do something like that. <laughs> trying to pile the pressure on Graham Potter. And, and, and yet, I think these two games were pretty much perfect. Bournemouth at home, Forest away. I agree with Kev. I think Steve Cooper's got to try. And it's going to be interesting, the team selection that Steve comes out. If he doesn't have five changes, then it's clearly whatever's happened with the World Cup... He doesn't know his best 11. Now, obviously, you, you have injuries and, and that, but he needs to pick what he thinks could be his best 11 and give them a consistent run. This is a very difficult game for Forrest at the city ground. It really is, because I think it's the perfect game for Chelsea. And I'd be surprised and very disappointed if Chelsea don't come away with all three points. Yeah, I think Scott is still getting in the neck from uh, our own Adrian Durham for awarding Raheem Sterling man of the match <laughs> after that Bournemouth game. I'd have given it to Zakaria in midfield, his first Premier League star. I thought he was excellent, Kev. It's taken him a bit of time to force his way into Graham Potter's plans. Uh, but what do you think he can bring in the second half of the season for Chelsea? Well, Zakaria at his best gives you energy, gives you the ability to break the lines with, with great runs. Technically, he's okay, but I think he is somebody that can he can also drop in and he can be involved in the build-up. I think at his best for Gladbach, he affected games at both ends of the pitch. The problem was he got a serious injury. He was never quite the same after that. And then he got his head turned by all of the interest from other clubs. And in the end, he went to Juventus. And he wasn't quite the same player. At Juventus, it was difficult because that's a club in flux anyway, as we know. And it was difficult for him to get a, a regular run. I think Graham Potter's the kind of guy that can make those tweaks to his game 
that can bring the best out of him. And, you know, he's not as classy as guys like Kovacic or Jorginho on the ball. But what he does do is he gallops forward and he creates space for others and he takes defenders away. I, I think the Potter thing's fascinating, by the way, because my concern when he was first given the job was that you had a club that had operated in a kind of boom and bust cycle for years and years and years and years. That is not him. He is a builder. He is a guy that takes time, gets his tactics in place, improves players, tries to bring them with him. It's very difficult to do that at a club where the players know at the first sign of trouble, the manager's out the door. So the real test here is if Chelsea don't make the top four, because if they are serious about being a completely different football club, developing young talent, putting long-term structures in place, you have to stay with the manager. You can't panic and go, oh, well, we finished sixth, so we're going to have to boot him. You can't do that because if they do that, they're back to square one. So I'm really interested to see what the direction of that football club actually is. And that is it, full time here at the London Stadium, and now half empty London Stadium, because all the home fans, most of them, have already left in absolute disgust. Full time, West Ham nil, Leicester two. Arsenal three, West Ham one. We've done really well for two years, you know, so you mustn't forget that. So we're, we're maybe going through a spell where we're not doing as well as we'd like, but uh, I've got no doubts it'll change. High cross into the penalty, area. Jensen with the volley deflected, and it's under the body of Forster. It's a strong group of players, um, they, they, they have a special bond. Uh, let's look at some of the other games taking place over the New Year period. I'll be at London Stadium, West Ham against Brentford, 7.45, uh, live on TalkSport 2 on Friday. Bournemouth Palace is a three o'clock kickoff uh, on Saturday, that's New Year's Eve to you and I. Fulham Southampton gets underway at the same time, so too Newcastle against Leeds. Just want to touch on Southampton, Scott, because we've spoken about this privately. Um, Nathan Jones, I, I don't want to write off a young British manager too early in his tenure, but I don't understand how Southampton, having had weeks, if not months, to plan for Ralph Hasenhutl's exit strategy, have come down on Nathan Jones. When you look at the fact that Wolves have appointed Lopetegui, Aston Villa went for Unai Emery. Make it make sense, because Southampton fans are already very unhappy with this appointment. No, this is where we are in agreement, Cricky, absolutely. And and look, I think Nathan did a fantastic job twice at Luton, but the one job outside of Luton, he really, really struggled and, and, and struggled to deal with the egos of a championship side, a top championship side. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't learned from that, but it sounds like already that the fans aren't happy with it and there's been a little bit of a, I don't even want to use the word spat, but Nathan Jones has come back and saying, well, what are the fans expecting? We've only just sort of taken over. Just keep quiet. And I think he's quite a fiery guy that sometimes, you know, you, you, he can't hide his emotions. And in many senses, that's a positive. And it clearly has been for, it, for him and his career. But in some aspects, you've you just got to dampen that down. And look, you know, I, I want to sort of judge what I think would happen after the World Cup four or five games in. But I do, I look at Forest and I look at Southampton and I do not see how those two are going to get out of it. I really don't. I think they're going to struggle. But what, what the only thing I'd say is it's almost like Southampton have said, we're going down. Who would we want to take us if we were in the championship to maybe go back up? And Nathan Jones. But you can't plan for that because there's no guarantee of that. So 
it just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't feel right. And I do feel that come the end of the season, they will be relegated. It's the start of a huge week for Southampton because if they lose to Fulham, they've got Forest at home in midweek. That game is live on TalkSport 2. If they lose both, uh, then it really is looking dire straits. Uh, big few games ahead for David Moyes as well, starting with that visit of Brentford uh, in a London derby. They go to Leeds next Wednesday. Uh, then it's Wolves away, Everton at home. I think David Moyes now, Kev, is in the situation where he needs to start picking up wins or he could find himself out of a job. Yeah, and it's a curious one because I looked at their team for the game against Arsenal and it's, it's stacked with quality. They've got some really good players in there. Defensively, I think there are problems. Keira, I don't think, has, um, I, I always found it curious. He was in the Germany team as often as he was. I found it gobsmacking that he was signed by Paris I, I don't get it I, I, I don't understand that there's a decent player there but I think you know he doesn't give you enough as a fullback going forward and he's not solid enough defensively to play as a centre-back so I'm not quite sure um, you know it's not all on him but I think they've made some curious moves in the in the transfer window which I, th- I think is strange um, but he's still a great manager and he's still capable of organising a team. And I still think they'll be fine. Obviously, they're in Europe, so that's been not a distraction, but that's been a consideration for them. I think if they go really far in the Conference League and they're okay in the Premier League, then then stick with it. Because I think he's got enough credit in the bank for them to be fine. Because, it, look, they're not going to qualify for Europe the, the way they're going. But if they stay up and have a good run in the competition that they're in then great. So so I don't think anybody should be panicking. I think, I know people will look at it and think maybe it's gone a bit stale under him, but I think they'll be fine. There's enough quality there. He's a good enough manager, experienced enough. I think they'll be okay. Not only is New Year's weekend a massive one for football, but it's also when the transfer window uh, reopens. Let's very quickly uh, touch on some of the transfer stories already uh, that are starting to bubble under. Enzo Fernandez, uh, Scott, Chelsea considering triggering his £105 million release clause. Now, this is a player who a year ago cost Benfica €18 million. Chelsea under Todd Bowley have had a habit of paying over the odds for players. Is this another situation like that possibly developing? Well, if he's going to leave one of my former clubs, then I want him to go to another of my former clubs. And I don't mind that. And and look, what Benfica are great at, and Porto as well over the last couple of decades, is, is finding talent next to nothing and then selling them on for big, big money. You know, Benfica are a massive club, massive. They're just in the wrong league. Um, So they can't keep their best players. And you know what? If the clause is there and Chelsea want to, or any other player, any other team wants wants to meet that, it is a lot of money. And Todd Bowley has overpaid, I believe, on a number of players. But I don't have a problem with that. I think he had to. He had to make a statement to bring in the players that he wanted. So if he has to do it again, and we saw Enzo Fernandez, and it's you know you don't judge players just on the World Cup. You know I covered the Portuguese league as well, and I, he's been sensational from the moment he put on a Benfica shirt. If he goes, and at the moment they're running away with the title, then there's a problem because Porto will, could could be well catching up. He's that good. He really is. So. He's got a little bit of everything. And I think he would also handle the mentality as well as the physicality of the Premier League. So it'd be a great signing. 
Yeah, I think Benfica ideally want to keep him uh, for the rest of their title campaign. But as you've said, if they activate the release clause of he agrees terms with Chelsea, they'll be powerless to stop him leaving. Uh, Madrid at Shakhtar is a player that we know Mikel Arteta is really keen to sign. Kev Arsenal's initial offer of around about £55 million has been rejected. Shakhtar talking about nearer €100 million. Euros, so it is the, the, the highest stakes poker game uh, in the transfer window at the moment. Do you expect him to get his move because he's been quite public on social media <laughs> that he fancies the switch yeah, to North London. Um, yeah, Mikhailo Mudrik likes this. We've seen that a lot, haven't we, really? Look, I, I think, yeah, Shakhtar are in this very unusual situation where FIFA said to a lot of their players, look, because of the war in Ukraine, if you want to go somewhere on loan, you're allowed to do that. And Shakhtar was suddenly like, well, hang on, we've lost half of our team. And we they had some deals lined up to sell players for money. And then suddenly clubs who were interested in buying them went, well, hang on, we can get them on loan so we don't have to pay that money. So they're playing catch up in that regard, Shakhtar. They used to set, like Scott was saying about Benfica, Shakhtar is a club that's used to selling players for top dollar. So they know how to negotiate. I think we'll get there in the end. I think he wants the move. Arsenal want him. Shakhtar ultimately know they they have to sell. So it's just about getting it to that level that's acceptable for all parties. But he is really exciting. He, he's a hard runner. He's got great skills. We've seen in the in the Champions League this season in a team that should have been nowhere near uh, even battling for qualification, uh, how well he performed. So, so he's ready. He'd be great in the Premier League, I think. Uh, one deal that has gone through, and I'm coming to you for this, Scott, because I don't want Kev to gloat. Uh, Cody Gakpo to Liverpool, £37 million plus add-ons. That seems cheap to me, and it seems like Liverpool getting their business done quietly and efficiently once again. Well, they've done it before, haven't they? They did it last year with Luis Diaz. I, I think it does seem cheap. Look, I, I've come a little bit of an alternative angle here in the sense that, I mean, I, th- I think it's Man U, as we touched on the other day, should be, I, I don't know what's happened there. You know, maybe just Liverpool's come in and it's seen as the the, the, the better move for the player. I just, gen- I, I sort of think, I look at Liverpool and I say to myself, what do they need? What have they lost over the last couple of seasons? And it's the, the number one thing is the intensity of the midfield. So someone like a Jude Bellingham, if they can't compete with the big boys, save your money all up for the one or two players that you want. So in one sense, I actually think even with a first 11, and, and Kev might disagree with me on this, I'm not sure Gakpo gets in the first 11 if everyone's fit uh, with Liverpool. Now, when is everyone fit? You can, you can argue that. But I just feel that if money is an issue for Liverpool... Save it up for the players you, you really want, and Bellingham would be that. But look, we saw him in the World Cup. We know with PSV as well, he's been excellent. I expect him to do well, and, and, and I'm not saying he's not a good player in any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel in terms of priorities for Liverpool to get back where they were, that's not a position what they need. Now be sure to stay tuned to the TalkSport website for all the big January deals as they happen. We'll have daily updates, uh, most notably on White and Jordan as well. Uh, that's all we have time for, previewing the New Year's weekend football in the Premier League. Lots of live games. Uh, check out the TalkSport app, the best way to keep across all of those. We'll be back on January the 2nd, when hopefully, if he can get himself back from the Caribbean, Sam Matterface, the man himself, will be back in the presenter's chair. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. 
be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.